Hey, this is Tim Jones, creator of the Sour Grapes comic strip, and you're listening to the Geek World All-Stars Podcast Network. Welcome to the continued podcast adventures of Superhero Speak. But I think many of the people that love this character and that love superheroes in general have used these stories as inspiration to say, you know what, I'm going to do something good in the world. I'm going to make a difference like my hero when I was a kid. That is my fondest memory of it, because when, you, when you're doing comic books, you want them to affect people, right? You want people to care, you want, you want to strike emotions, and I knew that that clone saga was striking a lot of emotions. Can you yeah. imagine uh, Pulp Fiction starring Goofy and uh, Mickey Mouse? I can totally <laughs> imagine that. You I'm sure somebody's written that one pounder with cheese and France, Mickey? <laughs> what? <laughs> Boy, ale with cheese, Mickey. Yeah. <laughs> I can totally see. I, I, would, I would watch the hell out of that movie. Yes, I gladly saw, sacrifice that my, my progeny to you, almighty Marvel beast. <laughs> <laughs> but Neil Adams is somewhere going, hmm, it's, it's my time. <laughs> uh, how do you measure success? Hey, everyone. You're listening to Superhero Speak, not the IMDB Hour. And I'm your host, Dave. And I'm Research. I mean, John. I'm JD. I'm reading this article that John said. It looks like they're still casting. There's not actually filming. Well, no. Well, that's wait a minute. No, that's not what it says. It says yes, it, it does. It says that they're lo- looking for a, ma- a male lead. This guy isn't signed yet. I actually read the article. Oh, because because three of the articles I was reading were saying it's already filming. No, this is they're still casting. Oh my goodness. Uh, okay, so so we're already off the rails, and let, we haven't let, even introduced ourselves. I, I know. <laughs> Well, we have. We did. Uh, yeah, that's we introduced okay. ourselves. You're the one who's dropping the ball, Dave. Yeah, oh, Dave. Oh, yeah, 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 Dave. <laughs> well, John, you're the one doing research that's wrong. Well, so anyway. Hey, see, hey, superhero hype and what's on Netflix. Put them next to We Got This Covered Now. Because, you know, obviously. Okay, it does say it started production, but it also says they don't have people cast. Oh, yes, there's a true. difference between starting production and filming. Why don't I, I question this source? The series doesn't have a well. It says in this article, Neil Gaiman has confirmed the series doesn't have a cast yet. How can they be filming? It says a- we started shooting on Thursday. It just says like you further down the article you go. It says Neil Gaiman has confirmed the series doesn't have a cast yet. Okay, okay. Look, there's a tweet from Neil Gaiman. Look at this one. Here's superhero. Um, John, I can only read the things that you send as corroborating sources. I I, I, I know, I know. I was I was hoping not to give you superhero hype because their website like brings your computer down if you leave it open well, what's on netflix.com is sketchy let's just leave it at that okay superhero hype but still they've got they've they added the tweet from neil Gaiman. It says oh we started shooting on thursday dr john hathaway has brought a book from the museum in which he works to roderick burgess so you're right it's going to be time to announce some casting scene how do they start shooting and not have casting this is what i'm talking about let's, this look, is so weird I, I don't know either because i know that like there's stuff that is currently filming and then all of a sudden they'll say this person got cast and it's like i thought they were already filming that so yeah. if it's like, like for a walk-on or something like that or like yeah. a one episode thing that makes complete sense but i mean like who the heck hmm. is playing morpheus like this dude on this according to this thing it's just this guy is being eyed didn't say he signed but again the source john sources yeah, so 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 for those who are wondering what we're talking about apparently oh, yeah. john brought up a source saying that the sandman <laughs> series was already filming but yet we can't find corroborating evidence to prove it why why do i do things 
Like, yeah. Um, well, I mean, look, it's, there's, there's a whole bunch of chatter about it. And a lot of the, the headlines, I, I, I should, I should temper myself. It's like, what does the media want? They want clickbait now. They don't actually do news anymore. So, so what do they do? All their, all their headlines say it's begun shooting. And then you get into the gory details. And it's like, well, even the main character hasn't really, really been signed yet. It's like, well, how do you start shooting then? Well, they could do, there's stuff they could do, especially if they follow the first, arc of sandman i mean like oh true. sure you only need one for that yeah it's still weird um the sandman audiobook is out and it's actually really good ewan mcgregor i believe is a more is a dream in that well that's nice so besides uh giving us false research john what have you been up to this week absolutely freaking nothing oh well that's good, good wrote, a few, <laughs> wrote a few wrote a few pages probably in the span of time it took jd to crap out a book um thanks for saying crap i appreciate it I didn't mean that. I mean, you're killing me. It's going to be a work of art. But um, James McAvoy, not you, McGregor. My mistake. Sorry. But uh, otherwise, yeah, not not really anything. Uh, I I did check out uh, Hellstrom. I did too. And it's good. It's, it is it's, good. Now I'm wondering. I'm hoping. Now it, I see. The thing is, like, if you go the route of Swamp Thing, it's DC. It did die before the first episode even aired but now it's going to the cw that was possible at dc with marvel because this was done under what's his name who kevin feige yeah that all the the marvel uppers hated or whatever and because it's so edgy and you know marvel's now the mouse i don't know that they're going to pick it up i mean it's technically right now there's not not going to be a second season so it's right. stillborn. Stillborn. It's still it's still catchy. I've only seen two two um, episodes of it so far. How far are you into it, JD? Just one. I just watched the first one Friday night. I'm gonna try to. I just haven't had a ton of time to, to binge an entire show. Yeah, but it was. I bet I liked it. It was. Uh, it hit. It's. It's not perfect. If you know the character, you know the serial killer father is going to turn out to be a demon, questionably Satan, which, you know, follows the origin. I kind of like what they're doing with Satana, especially calling her Anna, because calling her Satana is a little on the nose. Well, not um, having the main character also have a bare chest with a pentagram inscribed in it. Well, he's got it, but I like, but no, I like what they worked into it. He's got a scar. Yeah. That the old man carved into him. And that's it's switched up. It's been a birthmark sometimes. They tried to make it a tattoo recently. Oh, he's like, been rebooted a couple of times. It has been because they're trying to find a new audience for it. The tricky part with Hellstorm was trying not to make it a uh it's hard to say a Hellblazer knockoff because the character came first, but Constantine is, was, you know, such a more successful character. So the tricky part is that, and I like that they kind of went like they actually tapped into a lot of the old you know, I love this character, the old Steve Gerber <laughs> stories with him working with Gateway University and working with the church, because the original the original son of Satan is a failed priest. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like it really kind of falls in line with the original, not so much the Warren Ellis stuff, but the original Steve Gerber stuff. He's doing exorcisms, like that is Damon Hellstrom. So I'm like, okay, I like where this is going so far. I wanna I wanna check the whole series out, of course, before mm-hmm. making a hey, that was gonna be my recommendation for the week, but I like it. It's been good. Yeah. Well good. I mean they they differentiated him enough from um for from uh Hellblazer. Um Constantine. Yeah, Constantine. They they differentiated him enough that I I was I was thinking the same thing while I was watching the the first and second episode. It's like, wow, either him and Constantine would get along, you know, like old brothers in a in a in a pub, or they, they would kill each other. They, yeah. they would hate each other. Too, you don't like people that are too similar to you. 
Especially those guys who don't really like each other to begin with. Who don't, like, think they, who don't like themselves, you know? I don't think they, they're that similar. They're they're I don't but, think they hate they I think they're they both don't like you. They both don't like themselves. True. You know, like that's a big part of, of the son of Satan character is he hates the fact that he is the son of Satan and he's constantly trying to overcompensate for the fact that he's a failed antichrist, essentially. And John John Constantine's got a little bit of that self-hatred too, where he's, you know, just regular, you know, I don't really like myself all that much. You know, so I don't think there's enough similarities between them where I think if they did ever cross over, they would absolutely hate each other. <laughs> maybe maybe they it's too bad Anaglam Comics isn't a thing anymore because you know the 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 son of Hellstrom would be kind of cool as a title. I, I just I just thought that um, a death battle between those two would be perfect. Yes, it would. <laughs> yes, it would. It I'd would be, be tricky. It would be tricky to to figure out who would win because they both like have you know they're they're both very tricky. So Hell um, Constantine's a street level wizard, whereas Hellstrom is the son of a demon. Right, but Constantine so, is constantly beating. Yeah, well, for sure, because yeah. he outsmarts everybody. And that's Constantine's kind of thing. Is he's a con artist, yeah. whereas Hellstrom's really working with like confronting demons, and he's all about exorcisms and stuff like that. So it would be interesting. It would be definitely be a battle of wits, one that I would like to write in case the Amiglam comics thing ever comes back, which it never <laughs> will. So I'm throwing my pitch out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey. Hey, Dave, isn't this your show? Yeah. Oh, hey, Dave, did we take this from you? It's we just the- totally commandeered the show. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. It's, you know. Welcome it's, to the Hellstrom Hour with John and JD. <laughs> did, uh, so, 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 JD, besides watching the first episode of Hellstrom, have you been up to anything? Yeah, actually, I actually had a cool announcement. I haven't even put this on Twitter yet. I got offered a uh, small job, and I'm going to take it. I'm now officially part of the staff of Fight Game Media. It is a... Um, it is an outlet that, that reports on um, pro wrestling, boxing, MMA, and I'm going to be doing some amateur wrestling stuff for them on top of uh, pro wrestling stuff as both a writer and uh, a Patreon exclusive podcast. So, and this is, uh, I'm getting paid. So it's pretty cool. That's probably, uh, that's pretty oh, awesome. Yeah. So all yeah. this time bullshitting is paid off. <laughs> we have, uh, we're going to be hosting one of the nichiest podcasts of all time. We're doing, it's again, Patreon exclusive. So you can get super niche. We're doing one. Uh, focusing again. This is uh, has an official. Yeah, I probably should give my mouth because it's not official yet. But it's going to be super, super niche. We'll just leave it at that. Oh, okay, good. Kind of cool. get myself in trouble. But yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, gotta. I'm back in the writing for uh, like the. I guess it's not really journalism, but kind of opinion pieces game. So pretty cool. You're part of the media machine now. I know. So they're just kind of sitting on the outside of it, poking the bear. <laughs> I'm to start spreading rumors then. Oh, I mean, that's not wrong. That's, you know, we don't, we're not going to do that. And that's not kind of what I'm interested in. This is more of like, you know, the, the guys that are really getting it going, we're more interested in, in trying to do stuff that's not clickbaity because, like, we're not trying to break news. We're just writing, like, you know, opinion pieces on, on MMA and wrestling and boxing. So it's more, uh, it's more talking about stuff than, than trying to scoop anything. Cool. So okay. the chance of making a lot of money is nil, but it's fun. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited. This is true. <laughs> Cool. How are you, Dave? What happened with you this week? Oh, oh. <laughs> I get to talk now. <laughs> uh, not, I mean, not much. Um, I mean, I, I'm in the next, uh, I went down another decade in my weight. So, yeah, all right, Jeez, man. Louise, you're that making was, me feel really bad. That, that was, uh, <laughs> what's our total at right now? The total? No, the total that you lost. lost. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. That's what I meant. Like, what is your, <laughs> what is your, uh, yeah, what is your, what is your, standing like how many how many pounds have you lost uh 
I guess Ballpark. officially is 85, but I don't know. My what man. I, Christ, Dave. I don't know what I really was at my heaviest because I stopped weighing myself at a certain point. So it's a good move. Yeah. <laughs> That's what everybody it's, it's no, I'm really happy for you, man. I'm really proud of you. Like in this, in this COVID world where a lot of people have, have gained weight by being locked in their houses, like you have gone in the complete opposite direction. I'm really, really proud of you, dude. Impressive. Though I was bad today. That's okay. Walking home from the gym, I stopped at the pretzel factory. And I got some soft pretzels, and I ate them. <laughs> Bro, I did. I was also in error. I got a good kettlebell workout in in the basement. We had dinner, and then I had an ice cream bar. Yeah, I, so I'm with you. I'm with I, you. I went to the store and got a bag of those uh, Pepperidge Farm Chesapeake Bay chocolate chip cookies. Oh. So we all, so we all suck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're all terrible, terrible people. Well, I only had one today, but I I put them there, and then that that's my goal is to pass by, just to walk past every day and not have any. But they're there in case you know you know those cravings that you get, right? Like it's just like oh yeah, I I I, I need. <laughs> just, um, I get it. Yeah, and then of course, uh, so so I wanted to give an update because we kind of mentioned it a couple of weeks ago about my daughter. Um, she hasn't given birth yet. She's been in and she, out of labor for she, like a month now. She's going to keep them in there until they're in college, right? Is that what is that what this is? Well, it's only one this time. So, oh, um, oh God, I wouldn't wish two sets of twins on anybody. No, 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 no. Jesus. <laughs> so 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 I, I just you know. When this goes out, if she hasn't given birth yet, uh, they're going to have to make a decision whether or not to go to the hospital and deuce. And, uh, you know, so I'm just asking our listeners, you know, keep her, keep my daughter in your thoughts and prayers, uh, you know. Do you the, guys, the, do you guys know yet, boy or girl? Oh, it's a girl. Yeah. All right. Claire. So Claire. I like that name. Claire Heinrich. My, my <laughs> brother, my brother just had a little girl, the first girl of all the, all the new kids uh, you know all the grandkids mm-hmm. for my fa- for my parents they named her Maeve uh, Maeve Maeve yeah what is that that's that's uh old Irish um uh goddess name huh. who do I know named Maeve why you do I know, know a Maeve yes I blew my mind <laughs> I know that name and I can't think why I know the name like Maeve. I know someone with that name Maeve is an old Gaelic hero I think yeah so Maeve. write that down so, uh, so yeah, that's, that's, that's been my, my week, except, uh, I also, well, I guess we should get into this. Um, no, oh, let's do this. Dave, finally, Dave was the one causing trouble on social media instead of me. <laughs> oh, uh, then, then I want to get into it. Yes. Let's do this. Um, I finished watching the boys season two. Uh, John, did you finish watching it? I have one episode left, but I know, I, I already know what's going on. It's hard to hide from you know, from the media these days. So I know it's, I know the plot and I know what happens. I just. And, and, and JD, you're still boycotting the show. I'm not boycotting. I'm just not watching. <laughs> it's not a boycott. You have to, you have to be like conscious to do a boycott. Like it's not on my mind. So I don't. So, care. so, so, so the, whole thing, the whole thing is like, I listened to a bunch of podcasts where they basically were talking about the show and it was just like, everyone's talking about it. I got to get it finished. So I finished it up this weekend. I got to the end and I'm like, God, I'm tired. Like, I just did not enjoy that at all. So I posted on Facebook that, mm-hmm. like, I think I'm done with the show. I don't think I can watch this anymore. And, boy, okay, so then my cousin, she she just, you know, innocently asked, you know, why, why didn't you, you know, why do you say that? And by reasoning, you know, simply, I'll put this out there simply, and then I can get into details if people want, is that 
uh, it's too basically too nihilistic. You know, like I kind of feel like, and JD, I'm sure you back me up on this opinion. You know, Alan Moore wrote Watchmen in 1984, and everyone's been trying to copy it ever since. Six, and yes, I'm sorry, yeah, 1986, and. <laughs> But that seems to be like the standard these days or like this this era of of this kind of of story writing is all nihilistic. Like it's it's very hard to find a show that is more that is upbeat or like, you know, gives you rays of of actual hope They They all seem to be writing where it's just utter horror and depravity and you know, nothing good ever really happens in the end. Anyway. Hold that thought. You, I have something on this, John. Go ahead, dude. Okay. I was going to say, did you watch Stargirl? Because I kind of oh, felt... Oh, no. Well, that's, a, that's an example. That's, uh, yeah, that's the, the oh. thing that breaks the, the rule. But one show has caught more of a cultural zeitgeist than the other. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so, so, and it's funny. So this is my own Facebook page. I basically just say, I'm, I've watched the final, the second season. I'm kind of done with the show. I tell my cousin, she asks why. I'm like, eh, it's kind of nihilistic. Um, it's, it's, you know, and I kind of need someone to root for in a show and there's no one to root for on this show. And I'm, I, I just can't do it anymore. I'm done, you know? And all of these people started jumping on saying, <laughs> basically, my opinion was wrong. Dave, Dave might as well have said, I hate puppies. They should be <laughs> I mean, it was that bad. Like I went on there and I was like, dang. And I thought I like to stir the pot a little bit, but like Dave, you were like just lambasted by lots of people for this but, opinion. But I would have been right there with Dave on this one. I was. I, I agree with Dave, and then I did start stirring the pot. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, and let's be let's 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 be honest. One of my main gripes with the show, besides that, there's no one to root for, um, is that you're supposed to be rooting for the canary. But yes, but even even. I didn't agree with his attitude towards the end of the show. And that's kind of why I was like, I kind of gave up. And um, the canary is, did you read the book, JD? I read the first trade and, or like the first half of the first trade and put it away. Yeah. Okay. So Yui, they keep referring to as the canary in, okay. in season two. Also the gremlin. Uh, but, um, but it was also like every episode, there's at least one major shock and plot twist. Yeah. And it's like, by the time you get to the eighth episode and they throw five shocks and five plot twists within the episode, you're just so exhausted by the end and you can't keep topping yourself that eventually it's going to be like, uh, okay, another plot twist. Here we go again. You know, you're going to start expecting it, you know? And that's when it's just like, that's why I don't see this lasting. It's more, I kind of feel like it's more flash than substance at this point. You I've, know? Always, I've always felt that way about it. It's like, okay. oh, let's let's see how, how we can shock people this week to get them to come tune in next week. How can we shock you know? I, I kind of felt like like give you an example. I think a great example of this is Lost, where Lost was such oh. a popular show, but they kept trying to make it more and more complicated and throwing more and more things in it that by the time they got to the end, it was like, how do we end this? And eh, they're all dead in purgatory. Like that wasn't the plan from the beginning. No, they had no plan from the beginning. That was the problem with Lost, is that they had this great idea for them stuck on the island. And then when it worked, they were like, well, shit, we didn't plan. We didn't plan for what this actually meant. It was literally just, they were stuck on the island and then everybody made their own assumptions and were looking deep and deep into things that weren't there. And then they built this level of expectations that they couldn't fulfill because they hadn't done the groundwork. Like they hadn't built the structure. So lost, loss is something different. I know people that love loss, but 
most people are, are with you on that. Dave. Well, it was writing by the seat of their pants. It absolutely was the whole the absolute, time. It was the absolute definition of pantsing a story. <laughs> but I kind of feel like that's where they're they're writing themselves into that corner with this show. I think odd with it, odd with it, based off of a series of you know comics. <laughs> yeah. No, and I, and I agree with you. And I think this is my, and I, I think this kind of goes in as like, I'm, I'm going to give me a diatribe for a second here. I wrote this okay. paper in college about how after the Vietnam war, there was a rise in horror films and like Satanism and stuff like that, because Americans were so thoroughly depressed with Watergate and the war and just all this blah. And like, and that was reflected in pop culture and people people latched onto that because for some reason, like they don't like, I wrote about the psychological thing. People don't want to feel better. They want to actually feel worse. Hmm. And so that stuff became really popular until America was done feeling bad and done feeling nihilistic. And that's why star Wars comes along at the right place at the right time. And there's been this ebb and flow, you know, that goes on forever with pop culture of where things get dark thing. People start believing in heroes again. And then they start trending a little bit more, you know, jaded and nihilistic and it comes back and it comes up and it comes down. And right now with the the pandemic and with things being what they are, not, people are not feeling great and they can latch onto a show like the boys and say, see, this is what it is. And I think that because we've all been reading comics for a long time, you guys probably a good solid decade more than me. Like we've seen this before. Right. right. Like I've read all these hot takes of the boys changes everything you think you know about superheroes. Like, nah, it really doesn't. Nah, yeah. but it really I, doesn't. And it, de- it depends on your personality type too. Cause like in times like this, I'm looking for something uplifting to keep Correct. my spirits. Right. Up. Exactly. And, but I think that's because we like superheroes. Yes. And, I, yeah, and that's I guess. the difference. I guess I some mean, people, they like superheroes because it's a cultural trend, not because they actually like superheroes. Like like comic book stories. I think that if you actually like superheroes, like you can have feet of clay. The characters on Lost, are, I'm sorry, the characters on The Boys are not feet of clay heroes. They're just bad people. There's a difference. Mm. Yes. Good night, buddy. Sorry, I'm four, the four year old dropped in. <laughs> hey, um, it could be worse. It could be a cat. <laughs> so, so exactly, and and it's funny because like even in our intro, where we have Brett Culp. Um, who created the documentary uh, Legends of the Dark Knight and uh, Look to the Sky, which is about people looking. And he says, you know, I want to do something good in the world like my hero did when I was a kid. There's a reason that clip is in the intro of this show. Like, and his documentaries are about finding inspiration in heroes not in villains and not in anti-heroes in heroes to do good in the world and to change the world where like so if if the entertainment world or the art world or whatever is only reflecting the negative then the world's going to get more negative in my opinion you know i don't know if it gets more negative but i see where you're coming from and i think that again with alan moore did his stuff. I mean, we're talking mid eighties. So like we're a good 10 years after star Wars and people, people were ready to start feeling bad again, you know, like, mm-hmm. and that's why stuff like Watchmen and the uh, squadron Supreme dark Knight returns. Those are all very cynical takes on superheroes. And that swipes through. And then in the nineties, we kind of get that other, like they become edgy, but they're heroes again. You know what I'm saying? Like say what you want about nineties comics the heroes were heroes and they weren't nearly as cynical as the stuff in the mid eighties. Yeah. You know, um, kind of, we kind of go through this up and, and down. And, and to John's point, 
about wanting to feel good. When I got a chance to do a guest spot on um, Fans on Patrol and they they were like, you know, oh, we want you to pick a movie that we can review, like a classic movie. I was like, Superman, the 1978 Superman movie, because there's a movie that makes you feel good about yourself and gives you something, a hero to look up to, you know? And it's like, I needed that, you know, at that point. Yeah, nobody goes out, of, nobody comes out of that movie feeling down. Right. Like cynical you come out, movies. you come out hum, humming Williams. I mean, Cyn- cynical people, people that don't, there are people that don't believe in heroes. And we've had ooh, a good 12 years of heroes hmm. being on top. So it doesn't surprise me that something like the boys can come along and catch the cynical side of people going, yeah, man, if there were superheroes, they'd be shitty people because we're all shitty people. And it's, I mean, there's a zeitgeist to it and I get it. I was just surprised with the amount of vitriol you got for hmm. saying, I just didn't like this. And you didn't put it on the superhero speak page, right? Right. You put it on your page where it was your opinions and you got unfairly trashed in my opinion. Yeah. Wow. No, I mean, and it's just, it's, that's another thing that, it's tough about social media it's like you can't go against the zeitgeist you can't go against the popular opinion because oh you can you just have to be ready and understand what's going to happen now you will now you get it <laughs> or you just disable the comments because <laughs> or just i'll tell you here's a trick that i got on social on facebook right now i throw a comment out there i turn off notifications and hide <laughs> it from my own timeline so i can just say whatever i want nobody and if people respond and go crazy i'll never know yeah, no. I'm much happier that way. So like, you might as well just be throwing Chum out in the Jaws movie. <laughs> I mean, kind of, but yeah, yes, I mean that 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 would save your sanity. Yes, no, but um, yeah, and then of course Joey from So Wizard, he came in and he's like, yeah, it's not the popular opinion, but I and I see your point, you know, because uh, they they just reviewed the sh- the season and and you know they all loved it and they're all ready for season three, but it's just like I don't think I'll be able to do it, you know. It's not us, and and. And and I'll I'll say this too, and people can agree or disagree with this. I'm I'm okay with that. I understand it's becoming more and more popular to put politics into stuff. And the last few episodes, they're so in your face with the politics with this. It was just it just turned me off. It was purposeful. Of course it is. I know, but like that that turned me off. I'm like I don't want that much you know commentary on modern politics and my tv shows well, again yeah it's escapism like, exactly that's just what i was about to say you especially when it comes to superhero stuff you prefer escapism and i get what i get what they're trying to do i just think that alan moore does it a lot more deftly oh, well. and more intelligently than garth ennis i don't have a hatred for garth ennis he's just not my favorite he's just not my cup of tea because mm. he's just so nihilistic like preacher too preacher's super nihilistic yeah like you can't, like you just, you can't, and again, that's the, that's the appeal of Garth Ennis is you, he's just going to make you feel terrible. <laughs> I couldn't even, I couldn't even, I couldn't even finish the Preacher TV series. It was just too. There's people that love it and I get it more power to them. All I'm saying is when someone goes, you know, it's not for me. Don't, don't get the social media wagons out to attack someone because they yeah. didn't dig what you dig. Jesus Christ. The appeal, the appeal is that he will make you feel bad. That's <laughs> That is. That's not an appeal. <laughs> well, but I mean, there's people. But I mean, like again, I don't. I don't. I've never met the man. I don't dislike him by any stretch of imagination. He's a fantastic writer. Just not for me. And again, I no. get on Mark Miller because I think Mark Miller tends to bend that way a little bit too. But Garth yeah. Ennis takes it to another level. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll give you that. I don't know. I see. And the other thing is, like people. Again, we we also compare it to Watchmen, but I think the big difference with the boys and Watchmen 
besides the fact that the Watchmen's a single contained story and all the spinoff stuff is just garbage. Not all, not all. Damon Lindelof not nailed it. Like for okay. everything that I know you haven't seen it, but for everything that I'm hearing about the boys, like Watchmen starts off very dark. It puts you into a dark place with dark situations, but heroes do win out and you leave Watchmen shockingly feeling good. So, but that's next on my list, but, really good, man. but here's the thing with Watchmen. Look at the TV show, not the movie. The book does not make you feel good. Let me the, just throw that out yeah. there. Like the, the comic Watchmen, Osmodeus, even though you may, even though he's the villain um, and you might not agree with what his, what he's doing, you can see his point. Same well, thing with same thing with Thanos in Infinity War. Yeah, that that the the hallmark of any really good villain is that there's a part there where they are the hero. They, at le- at the very least, they, they think or, they're the yeah, hero. Yeah, they but... think they're the hero. Like the the a good villain, a good heel, if you will, fi- feels justified, and he can justify everything. And you're supposed to go, yeah, okay, but right, you but know, there's nothing yeah. about Homelander or Vault that's mm-hmm. like you could justify what they're doing. No, they they they're trying to make you feel sympathy for Homelander by giving you Stormfront, who's like even even worse than him. But yeah, so but that like didn't a, work. A legitimate Nazi. Yeah, <laughs> an actual Nazi. And that's the whole thing. But like, it didn't to, to me that didn't work, and it was just like, oh, come on, you know. So yeah, it was just like, oh, it was terrible. I mean, I I, I will say this: I was you haven't watched it yet. I was thankful what happened to Stormfront by the end. Like, yes, that she got what she deserved. But yeah, no, I was just, I was just so tired by the time I got there. You know? Yeah. And again, it's not just, it's not what this show is really about. You yeah. know, like we like superheroes despite their flaws. Mm. Like, and it's just like something like the, the, the boys, I don't think is for us. No, no, not at all. So the second half of the show, Dave, you know what? We could skip, you know, the social media madness. We, we could, we could skip that and go right to the news. Second that emotion. But, but <laughs> I know it's a gimmick. It's a gimmick. We'll, it's we'll part go of our. It. It's it's part of our our, our thing. Um, in fact, uh, one of the things I wanted to do real quick, if I could bring the email back up. You know, uh, one of these days when we do social media madness, I'm just going to stick a mannequin in the chair here. Here is something we haven't done in a while, and we we have um we have talked about this and trying to do this more on the show. Um, again, if you're listening to the show and you're not a subscriber yet, make sure you're subscribed on either uh, apple podcasts spotify stitcher or wherever you get your favorite podcasts um iHeartRadio, amazon music all those great places now here are, we haven't done this in a while here are a couple recent reviews we got on apple podcast oh reviews of us um wait uh, how many swear words are there in them no no they're <laughs> short and they're really nice uh mama labs said love it super amazing podcast with the best hosts Highly, highly recommend. Thank you to you and your labs. Um, and then uh, Greasy Satchel said, title says it. Want to know about superheroes and have fun doing it? This is the one. Subscribed. Thank you. Please clean your satchel. <laughs> <laughs> so so also, if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts and you enjoy the show, please head on over and give us a five-star review. Or give us a five-star rating or a review or both because um, it actually helps increase our visibility on the platform and helps get us more listeners. Please bow down before the algorithm. The algorithm is our God in the podcast <laughs> world. Render unto it. 
Yeah. So it will render back onto us. Almighty algorithm. Uh, cool, no cool. So on that note, we'll take our first commercial break and we'll be right back with Social Media Mandas. After these messages, we'll be right back. And we're back. Oh, John, we're not going to get away from this. Um, why? By all that's good and pure, why? <laughs> all right, this is all right. what we do. Uh, shut up and take it like a man. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, I've never said I've never taken anything like a man. So, so not long ago, we did a list of our favorite villains, um, and uh, John, you weren't here for that. But okay. uh, Lillian Sue chimed in, said, "Depends on how you define villain." I love Loki, Dex, and Dare- from Daredevil, Billy Russo, Punisher, and Grant Ward from Agents of Shield, for several reasons. Each are also relatable in their own ways. Kind of hits back to what we said earlier. Yes. See, relatable villains. Hmm. Um, unlike the boys. Uh, <laughs> thank you for that comment, Lillian. I'm not Lillian. Yeah. Uh, and on the return of the Animaniacs, Kevin Glennon said, one of the best written shows of all time, regardless right. of category. Glad my kids will get a chance to experience what was so great for my for my friends and I. Well, you know, they could also experience like the original greatness by getting the, you know, Blu-rays. It's or, on Hulu, right? right? Hulu. Who buys Blu-rays? Yeah. yeah, it's either on Hulu or Netflix or something. It's out I there. St- I still like, you know, owning my stuff. But yeah, I mean, like if you're just going to show them. But yeah, go go to Hulu. Like the originals, they only age a little bit in some of the references, but the, the jokes and the pratfalls are still hilarious. Yeah, it's like watching, it's very much like watching a, a Looney Tune from the 40s or 50s. Mm. Like some of the jokes don't land because, you know, times change and, you know, maybe you don't know who Humphrey Bogart is, yeah. but it's still funny. Like yeah, the, the Animanix is the same. And I'm looking forward to them doing new stuff because yeah. goddamn, that's a good show. Yeah, you, you still look at the kids nervously when they say fingerprints. See? <laughs> um, <laughs> now, I had my hot take on the boys. Yeah. The fans of Colt 45, who may also listen to our show, are about to hear a hot take from random Randy Savage on Thor Love and Thunder. Um, so we had talked about Natalie Portman had revealed some plot details, uh, a- apparently about uh, Thor Love and Thunder. And uh, random Randy Savage replied first with a gif saying boo. Meryl Streep boo on top of that. Yes. And then uh, followed it up with. But for real, I'm not excited, but I wasn't excited for Thor Ragnarok, and it only took me 15 times for me to appreciate it. Oh, my gosh. 15th? Really? He, so he did. Hey, I guess there's uh, something for everybody, and not everything lands with everyone. Hmm. Yeah. First I've heard say a negative thing about Ragnarok. Yeah, this is, yeah, me too. Huh. Yeah, I know. It's, it's interesting, because, like, and it's funny, because, like, when I listen to their show, like a lot of their his opinions, I I agree with. So it's kind of funny. Bring him on the show. You hear that, Randy? We must castigate him in front of everyone. Ooh, I public castigate, public... not castrate. <laughs> Pub- public podcast flogging. There you go. So you're, there's your invitation, Randy. I know it sounds exciting now. Uh, of course, last week we also talked about Batman: The Long Halloween, and uh, Timothy Jones said. I've never read this series, but I think I'll pick it up and sit with a big bag of Halloween candy that I'm not supposed to have. Get it? Long Halloween, Halloween candy. That's a Tim, that's a Tim Jones joke. I was just going to let it go. Yeah. Um, 
Love you, Tim. Yeah, I and, uh, I'm disturbed that my father-in-law introduced my son to candy corn, and he's the kid is raving about how good candy corn is. Oh my it's god! The first moment I've had as a parent where I'm like thoroughly disgusted with my child's opinion. For, for, first, I it's like candy, candy corn. corn. Candy oh, corn, Dave. Ugh. First, it's candy corn. Then it's Peeps, and suddenly they're giving out. They're 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 popping Worthers. I mean, it's just sweet horrible. Jesus. That's like the, <laughs> that's the devil's triangle right there. <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, uh, speaking of the devil's triangle, uh, JVD of the villains demand um, said, "Definitely a Batman classic." Yes. And then finally. Uh, we had talked about the Invincible trailer, and um, we got uh, Kevin Glennon is saying, I don't know, the baseball going around the world concept was totally original and cool, but the trailer told us, well, not much. Superman is perhaps the most boring character of all time, and I really hope this isn't that. That's, it's Kirkman. Big, huge promise. That it's Kirkman. There's huge promise. Okay, sorry. Um, no, this is definitely not Superman. no. And, not even close and i'm tired of that superman's the most boring character uh business like it, when he's written well he's not people say that never watched super i've never read a good superman story and never watched yeah. superman like that's a cultural meme that's up there with aquaman is stupid like and it's even worse because superman is awesome superman is, it's a guy said it's, cultural meme i don't say i believe it it's just that's the, that's the cultural meme like superman is one of the greatest characters in popular fiction which brings me to another point about the boys. Damn it. I'm going to die on this hill. Um, obviously, the Seven is a uh, surrogate of the Justice League, right? Oh, absolutely. And the Deep is Aquaman. Yep. And and, and they are making fun. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, like, that's the whole thing is, like, so the Deep did something at the beginning of the first season. We won't get into details on the show because um, it's not a topic I'm comfortable talking about. And he was kicked out and like the whole rest of the first season and this whole season has been him trying to go on a redemption tour, basically, to get back into the seven. And becoming a Scientologist. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. They're, they're, they they have a church in the show, which is basically a parody of Scientology. Um, but like, again, I never read the book. And when they were reviewing on one of the podcasts, they talked about the deep and like, oh, I can't wait for him to eventually be redeemed to get back in the seven and never yeah. and and the one of the hosts who's read the book is like, like well you're going to be waiting forever because it never happens it's he's kind of like the punchline of of the, the the book and it's just like well there you get like that just ruins it for me too like why can't he be redeemed you know because no so, one is redeemable there is and, no redemption that's, well in that that's the whole point of the that's gar that's gar Dennis. no exactly that gets that's what i'm talking about with the cynicism and the nihilism yeah, so like, fuck you, Garth Ellis. Anyway, people on that are bad. Oh. On that note, here's our good friend D Square to tell you how you can be a part of social media madness. You too can get castigated by us. Enjoying the show? Want to be part of social media madness? Make sure you are following superherospeak.com where you can find all of the show's social media links at the top of the page. While you're there, you can check out old episodes of the podcast as well as some other great content. Check the site often because we are posting some great comic reviews as well as comic book and movie news content every day. Make sure and follow us on Twitter at Superhero Speak. And while you're there, check out the rest of the Geek World All-Stars Podcast Network. You can follow them 
at stars underscore geek. The Geek World All-Star Podcast Network include great programs such as the Pop Prison Power Podcast, Cult 45, So Wizard, Fans on Patrol, the Gorilla Brain Podcast, and of course, Superhero Speak. Search for hashtag GWAllStars. You will not be disappointed. Now, it's back to Dave and the boys on Superhero Speak. Thanks, Don, and don't forget to check out the... Oh, wait, what's the name of the show again? Um, also, uh, Omega Nerd, Omega Level Nerds. You yes, check, the show. That's right. Check out the Omega Level Nerds podcast available on Twitch, uh, YouTube, and wherever podcasts are available. All right. And on that note, we're going to take our next commercial break, and we'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. All right. All right. We're back, and we've got some news. So, so the first one's kind of interesting here, guys. Um, we had talked about Tatiana Maslany being cast as She-Hulk, and we were all very excited about that casting. Apparently, she denied in an interview that she was cast as She-Hulk. Wait, wait were, were there a bunch of Marvel ninja lawyers behind so, her when she said that? Or? No, hold on. Everyone's been pointing out that after Paul Rudd got cast as Ant-Man, he was asked at a on a red carpet event about it. He said, oh, no, there's no truth to that. And, and we all know that he's Ant-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, so it makes, it's making people wonder, like, is there, has that how serious their NDAs are? They're not allowed to talk about it until they officially get the go-ahead? Probably. Or is she really not cast? Because she kind of said it was a mix-up and the press release wasn't supposed to go out. It wasn't official. I don't know. What do you guys think? Is is she cast? Is she not cast? I don't know which one, which one of her personalities said that uh, <laughs> <laughs> it said, it denied it. Wow. I mean, well, um, I, I mean, it, it's it's possible. I mean, there's still a high probability that she is, and it's it it's you know basically the you know that someone jumped the gun. Yeah, I hope so because again, I think that casting is brilliant. Or or it could be a trial balloon where where it was purposefully leaked so that she can negotiate a higher salary <sighs> ever since ryan reynolds leaked that footage yep well that that footage he had to do that in order to get the film actually made they're making right, this right. film this is a matter of of you know she deserves a high salary and if you know maybe oh maybe yeah she's an amazing actress sure. yeah you can't uh, playing playing hardball with the mouse is uh yeah not, it's not a good move no 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 it's not um I don't know about this one. I don't know. This re- it's possible. It's possible that she's not cast. It's possible they're playing hardball. I don't know. I don't know what to think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we'll have to see. Um, I don't know. I kind of hope it's not true. I hope she's She-Hulk, but we'll see what happens. Um, speaking of the mouse, uh, John Favreau has recently said in an interview that um, The Mandalorian Season 3 is on track to begin filming by the end of this year. And there was much rejoicing yeah. and they ate Sir Robin's minstrels. So so there's a reason I brought this up, right? Because people are, you know, obviously with um, COVID, there's still issues with filming stuff and whatnot. But um, if you guys watch the behind the scenes stuff for Mandalorian season one and whatnot, you know that they did something different with how they Video. filmed this. Video walls. Yes. Like it's a total virtual environment. They can stick them anywhere they want 
in this studio they built, it uses the Unreal Engine, which like that blew my mind. Um, it must be a much later version because the Unreal, the original Unreal, like they they they've been they've been making the Unreal Engine better and better and better for like the last 25, 30 years. Oh, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's like you know probably the latest version, and like like those those scenes where they're on like a desert planet, they're on that stage. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and it looks like they're really on Tatooine or wherever they're supposed to be. That's um, crazy. It's insane. It's so, revolutionary. So, like, and you're closer to the film industry than John and I, JD. Do you think this might be the future of filming? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's cheaper and it's faster. And they've, um, cheaper might, well, okay. So anyone can do like chroma key, old school, you know, green screen, blue screen. Anybody can do that. Doing it right takes a lot of money and a lot of like time. Like I could do, I can knock out a a green screen with my, with my, you know, a, a phone and a Mac, but like to do it to the point where it looks good and have realistic backgrounds, it's really tricky. These video walls create a sense of depth that just isn't there with regular chroma key like Mm -hmm. this is like next level stuff i was talking to my buddy who uh who was working on it and he was explaining it to me before it happened it just kind of blew my mind that this is possible so it doesn't surprise me they can knock this stuff out like filmmaking is super expensive the more we can find ways to make it cheaper and more effective to do these kind of things the better it's going to be specifically for tv because people want these long drawn out stories especially now that you know let's be real theaters are not going to be are going to be struggling for a long time and that's so, that's a huge revenue stream that the movie makers have lost so. absolutely it's not good for them because like if you could provide mandalorian type stuff on at home like why go to the movie theater you know what i'm saying um yeah i think this is i think i don't want to say it's the future because it's being done but it's not quite the present either it's pretty much what lucas was 40 years ago right and he was doing his when he was combining computers and miniatures to do star wars like star wars has always been on the, the the absolute forefront lucas was the first person to use high definition video cameras in 20 2002 2001 actually when they shot attack of the clones like he was the first person to put actual celluloid by the wayside and now dude no one shoots on film anymore everything's digital and that's that came from star wars so i mean like it does not surprise me at all that that once again they're on the forefront this is it man this is this is cool shit yeah no i mean and it looks amazing like you can't tell they're not on set um yeah it's it's and the thing is too right like one of the things they were saying is that instead of just filming against a green screen they've they can interact with stuff in the environment easier because it's at eye level you know what i'm saying like there's they're not seeing a stick with a green tennis ball on it they're seeing a thing in front of them you know absolutely yeah yeah it's it's amazing so so and and you know what the next step from that is oh wow you mean that that actor died because i saw him in this movie just now well they tried that already with uh uh the star wars um with grand moff tarkin and- well that i some i do not feel like that was a, a solid try because i've seen some anime that looked better than that from some of the uh anime uh, studios that actually use cgi and and they were it was so much better i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you this look up on youtube there's videos where they take stuff like that and they use deep fake technology and they clean it up and it looks a thousand times better deep fakes are scary like some of this new, some of the really like the, the top of the line deep fake technology is freaky. Yeah. Like they've cleaned up the, this, this, 
uh, Princess Leia in the that ending scene in um, what's the name of that? Skywalker. Movie? No, 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 no. Rogue One. Rogue, oh, Rogue One. One. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like they, they, these guys used deep fake technology, cleaned it up, and it looked so much more realistic. Like, yeah, that was really Carrie Fisher standing there. Did you see the um? Someone, it was like a year or so ago. Someone effed around with the deep fake stuff, and they put uh. There's a scene from Back to the Future where they're in the, the high school. And it's Doc Brown and Marty, and they slap Tom Holland and uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s faces yeah. on. Yep. And oh, it's yeah. like, it, it looks pretty damn good. Like, I don't know how hard that would be to do for an entire movie, nor do I want to see it, oh. but it looked pretty good. Someone took the the scene with Superman at the beginning of Justice League, uh, you know, where they have the video of him, and he's and, talking. And fixed his mustache. And they deep faked it. <laughs> So basically, like that's replacing his face mm-hmm. with his own face, and it was like, oh my god, it looks a thousand times better. <laughs> why didn't the Why didn't Warner Brothers just think to do that in the first place? I don't know if it, they had because it's three years old. I don't know if the deep fake technology is quite where it was then. Like it's still pretty yeah. cutting edge stuff. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's interesting to see. Where we're going, it's a scary and exciting time. Uh, Did you guys ever see, there's a movie called uh, Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow. Came oh like, my gosh, yes. I actually I believe, like that one. The villain, I believe the villain, oh shoot, it was uh, the villain when we was played by, crap, is an actor who had been dead for like 20 years at that point. I had a point to make and I completely blanked on the dude's name. Uh, that was all green screen, right? That, that was, was yeah, all no. Yeah. That was all green screen. And this was at a time, this was like one of the first films with like virtual set. Lawrence Olivier, a good 15, 20 years after he had been dead. And it looks okay. Like the stuff they do, it looks, you know, decent. Uh, for the, it hasn't aged very well. So, well, some of it they used archive footage for. But, some of it they but, used archive footage for. Some of it they had a guy and they were doing like the, you know, the, the, the fate, like what they had to, to make it work. Now you could have an actor doing his voice and you could slap Lawrence Olivier's face on that guy. Oh, there's a, uh, there's a, there's a comedian, not a comedian, a personationist who like does that. He goes on, he creates a video where he does like a, a monologue from a movie and does different voices throughout the monologue. Like he'll do Jack Nicholson and then Robert, uh, not Robert, uh, Robin Williams. And, and like he keeps changing throughout and like, that they deep fake keep changing his face while he's talking and it's creepy ross markward is an actor who's on the walking dead he actually his first movie was a film that i edited probably about 10 years ago um he he kind of made a reputation for being an doing impersonations he is the guy who plays red skull in endgame right hugo weaving does not and and most people like that fooled me for a bit too for sure And it's not like a Christopher, a Crispin Glover situation because it's under all the makeup, right? But you could literally hire a dude like a Ross Marquin, be like, hey, man, give us Lawrence Olivier and boom. Or Bella Lugosi. You could bring Bella Lugosi back as Dracula with deep fix. Now, should we? Is this ethical? Like, at what point? Because even like this whole debate of like, what is our actors going to be replaced? Because ultimately you need you need an actor. You need someone to create a performance. Well, there, there's also there's also the side where you can get the voice and the mannerisms, but you're not going to get what they the would have done. Right. Yeah. You're not going to get up her. You still need an actor to create a performance. It's just because like, again, someone's like, what's the difference between like slapping a face on and what Lon Chini did a hundred years ago with making there, him look like something different. It's an, like, interesting, oh. it's an interesting concept because also don't forget with movies like the Marvel movies, um, 
the characters sign over their likenesses and relate it to the characters for toys. For X, yes, but okay, now you have to, okay, because now you're effing with the Screen Actors Guild and they don't like to be effed with. So mm-hmm. now you have to, like, if you're going to try that, like, that actor's fate, that actor's going to have to get paid to have his face in the movie because they're licensing it for merchandise and that's something completely different. But I'm saying that we've already, but, but, but that's what I'm saying. They already do that. What's right. to stop them from trying to take it a step further? So the, the, the license agreement, money, money. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's the Chris. That's the Crispin Glover. Like uh, Crispin Glover was not can did not want to do uh, Back to the Future two and th- uh, two. Right, right. And you know they they just used outtakes, and he didn't get paid for it. And he sued Universal and won. Like them, yeah. like, it was him and him and the Screen Actors. And like you got, it, and they had to pay him back. So if you're going to do that. You're gonna to have to pay the piper because somebody owns that face. Like you're talking either the human being himself or their estate. So these and you probably can, but you just gotta be ready to pay them in perpetuity for the use of their face. Yeah. Because this I mean, like what you can get away with in like toys is one thing, but this, as far as like actual like performances and getting paid, there's not a more power like like this for power for units, it's like the AFL CIO and then SAG. Like, no, see, I, I understand the argument, but initially a, a good, the best example of why they signed over the rights is because of Jack Nicholson, the Joker. Yeah, he made a fortune. He made a fortune because he was like, he's like, yeah, I'll take a smaller salary, but I want a percentage of my likeness of my face being used on the toy. And he made buco bucks off of that. So that's when they were like, okay, now you're going to sign the rights over to your face for the toy. So right, but again, like yeah, for the toy, it's one thing. But you're going to have to completely reconstruct contracts if you're going to do it for yeah, the purposes yeah. of film. No, I get that. I'm just saying, eventually you know, they're going to do it. Uh, you think you're right? I think I think that is going to happen because at some point someone's going. You know what would have been really good in this movie? Tupac <laughs> Shakur. Oh, and we'll put Biggie in there too, right? Well, That's what I'm saying. Like eventually, you're going to do that. And part of me is like, when you're playing, because now you're now you're, it's ethical. But I mean, like if you're doing like a biopic, right? Wouldn't it make sense? I mean, like, because they put makeup on to look like people anyway. Right. Wouldn't it make sense if you hire a guy to? I hate to. I'll just throw Tupac out there. You're making a Tupac movie. Wouldn't you want him to look as close to Tupac as possible? And now you could slap his face on it, have someone actually play the role, do the performance, and now you look. Like, I don't know. It's spooky, but we're we're, we're entering a really crazy world, man. As far as filmmaking goes. Oh yeah. So um, that was fun. I like talking about that. <laughs> Speaking of, of fun things and exciting things, I think when this article came out, John um, had a had a slight orgasm. Um, oh, now, geez, you know. Oh, admit no, that you no, did. No, you it. did. No, you did. You did. Come on, uh, no one's no one's fooled by that. Uh, your your favorite character, one of your favorite actors, Michael P. Jordan, to produce a Static Shock movie. Well, we I have I might might have mentioned you know Static Shock once or twice on this show uh, every other think, week yeah i was gonna say every other week uh probably half the time um <laughs> so reginald hudlin and michael b jordan will be uh working on this project um so this is like you, I mean, you kind of said that quickly reggie hudlin has a, had a big run on green i don't know on black panther back in the day also yes. the president i believe he's the former president of bet black entertainment television so Reggie Hudlin, him and Michael B. Jordan doing this. You're talking big time players. This is this is big news. Um, they're talking. They're also talking about they're building a universe um, around this movie uh, centered on black superheroes. Dakota, so, that's the milestone. The Dakota, yes, yeah. the milestone stuff. So, um, I mean the the, the backstories, the backstories, and everything for 
for Static Shock. And and as long as they get a good writer, there's so much interesting that they can do yeah. with this. Icon's a really cool character too. Like people like like the Superman pastiche is, is kind of passe, but Icon is a a cool character if they want to tap into that. The whole Icon and Rocket thing, there's a lot they can do with this. I'm very excited to see these guys getting involved. Like Michael B. Jordan, I hope I hope he plans on playing Icon in the future. So the uh, the comic they have said will come back uh, in a digital series in February of 2021. It was uh didn't we cover that when we did the DC yes yes panel? yes I'm just I'm just looking at the article oh, on the Hollywood sorry. Reporter. Uh, there is no date other than that uh, so far that about you know obviously so they're in the beginning stages we don't know um, no script or anything yet so we'll see got to keep an eye on this one. Hmm. Um, John, on a scale of one to ten, how excited are you about this? Okay, I am very excited about this. I mean, I, again, like three thousand. <sighs> Yes, yes, I'm excited. Uh-huh. Look, they, I mean the 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 writing for the the uh, cartoon Bruce the Bruce Tim cartoon was just awesome, and it hand it it dealt with some very very heavy subjects. And as long as they can keep the inner the that kind of writing with the backstory and the the you know all all the social issues that Virgil's dealing with along with you know all the pressures with being a bang baby and his friend Virgil uh, his friend um what's his name gear and you know his his mother dying and all that i mean there, this this could be like another this could be at least one more dc property that is on the same level or even better than wonder woman and shazam they i mean they they can they can only they can only ruin this it, it yes, is, yes, I, I I will second that. This is a great source story, um, and there's not a huge history with it. It's not like he's been around for 50 years and like you can borrow from different things. Yeah, um, you know, I he's mean, been around for a couple of decades, and so he only you know, so he has a good solid base that doesn't have a lot of crazy restarts and whatnot. Yeah, and he has a lot more of an interest, like even his his power base. Like a lot of people say, oh, he's just another black lighting. No, he's not. No, he's he, not. he he has so many. His power set is so different and so much more varied than Black Lightning. There is so, and again, like um, his character is supposed to be another kind of Spider Man, where he learns how to use the power. He learns enough about electricity and electromagnetism and all that to use the powers in really creative ways. Right. So they have, they have so, so much material to to technically to draw on, you know? Right. Cool. How about you, JD? I'm excited. Let's do this. All right. All right. We're going to get to work on that right after. Oh, wait, that's not, that's, that's, that's those guys. All right. All right. So on very other, very exciting news, guys, I can't believe it took this long. For this to happen but finally david hasselhoff is joining the dc universe you lost me at hasselhoff <laughs> come like on a, we're like 40 years late on this aren't we everyone's everyone's favorite nick fury uh is not going to come in as mick everyone's favorite uh um uh adopted father of star lord david hasselhoff <laughs> will be doing the voice of Superman. wait what that was kurt russell Yes, but no, no, no. no, no, no. It, he was, he was, he was the one of the. He played one of the original Guardians of the Galaxy in, in that movie, right? 
No, no, you're thinking of Stallone. How, no, Stallone when right? when when uh, Star Lord was a kid, he carried around a picture. Of oh yeah, 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 yeah. You're right, you're right, you're right. And at the end of this movie, he started changing into different people, and one of the people he changed into was Hasselhoff. So yeah, anyway, right. uh, he right. will be voicing Superman in the upcoming Dark Knight's uh, Death Metal uh, animated, animated. series. Yeah, animated series coming up. Um, animated movie. Yeah, it's gonna be cool. Yeah. I, I, obviously, it's going to be. I think it's going to be loosely based on the uh, metal stuff that's going on in DC. No, for sure, it's Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo, and they both have yeah. parts in this movie, which is kind of cool. Yeah. So, but I mean, come on, I'm sold. Hasselhoff, right? Dude, you kind of buried the lead. Charles Fleischer is the Joker. That's Roger Rabbit. <laughs> uh, no, the lead is Hasselhoff. I'm sorry. <laughs> he's 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 again though. Hasselhoff. How old is he? I mean. Got to be sixty something, maybe seventy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, I mean, he's older than he's older than Kit was at the time. Ooh, true. This is true. Uh, so, William Daniels can think of the name of the actor. So you, uh, are, are, John, you love all the animated DC stuff. Are you excited uh, for this? <sighs> yeah, I guess. I mean, I haven't followed Dark Knight's metal, the 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 metal stuff. So it's all right. It's bonkers. Yeah, I know. A lot of what DC's doing has been bonkers lately. Well, it's kind of this is like out of continuity stuff. So yeah, like it's just Scott, it's been Scott Snyder's play world for the last god three four years now. Mm. Yeah, about that I guess. So uh, we... so I I don't I'm not I don't I, honestly I'm not I'm I'm not familiar enough with the source material to actually be I'm interested. My interest level is extremely high, but excited I don't know enough about it to be excited. So uh, I'll tell you this: I'm uh, this is how familiar I am with the source material. Uh, a friend of mine um, did a cover for one of the the metal books uh, for the Batman Who Laughs. He did an alternate cover where he did a Harley Quinn who laughs, who is not a character in the story, but is one of his favorite characters. So he did a version of her. And has somehow become part of the zeitgeist. There was a statue made of her. There's a bunch of fan art online with it. And apparently they ended up making her a character in one of the future story. Um, So, yeah, like, that's what I know. That's it. (laughs) But apparently a lot of people love the the metal stuff. Hmm. How about you, JD? Have you read any of it? Uh, I read the first, like, two issues. And it just, you know, um, I don't know. it wasn't quite what I wanted, but it wasn't bad. Like I like Scott Snyder. It just wasn't quite what I like about it. I don't know. It just didn't, yeah. it didn't quite hit for me. And a lot of the DC animated movies don't quite hit for me either. So I'm probably not going to see it, but I don't know. Sounds like a good idea. Okay, cool. And uh, since we're running long, this is the last story we'll cover. Um, the Green Lantern series got greenlit and we have on HBO Max and we have our writers, our showrunners, uh, Seth, Graham Smith and Mark Guggerman. Guggenheim. Guggenheim. Okay. And, <laughs> Guggerman. Uh, um, and uh, what was one of them is like, I was trying to find. Yeah. So Guggenheim is uh, the partner of Berlanti. That's he's it. Been, yeah. He's been behind. He was behind Arrow and a lot of the uh, um, the DC shows on CW. Yeah, Seth Graham Smith made a big name for himself writing the novel Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. Yes. Which was a great movie. No, it was not. But um, yes. Yeah, it was. It, it, it's a popcorn movie. It's not there. It's not high cinema. That's really. <laughs> Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter is not it, high cinema. It I'm was shocked, shocked to hear that. <laughs> it was a fun. It's a fun movie just for a Saturday. Uh, 
Um, but go ahead. Sorry, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, that's fine. Um, I, I was talking to JD. Oh, <laughs> I, I know. I was done. That, that's what. Uh, so they actually have some guys with some some rep, some cred to them. Uh, I'm not. I don't know. Did you read the team? The, the Green Lanterns are going to use Gardner, um, Jessica Cruz, Cruz Simon they, Baz, Alan yeah, Scott. It's the, uh, the the B team Lanterns, pretty much. <laughs> Uh, oh, and, and of course, they'll have Sinstro and Kilowog in it. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it does make me wonder because it's like, are they, are they not using uh, Hal Jordan or Jon Stewart because they want to save them for the movies? Yeah, I think so. Yes, again. And it's just like, but every time they do that, they end up hurting themselves. Yeah, I, I agree. I think when you're doing an HBO Max show like this, you really need to come out guns blazing because like the green lantern, the green lantern comic was at a real high between like Oh six and 2011. Like it was like top selling big name. Like they based the blackest night and brightest day events around green lantern. And then when the movie came out, it, it like really kind of killed the franchise and, and took the comics down a peg or two to the point where green lantern, I wouldn't even put him in the upper echelon of DC anymore. So I think they needed to really come out guns blazing and put John Stewart and Hal Jordan in the show. If you're going to do a core show. Now, just just to make a point here, uh, in 2012, Green Lantern, the animated series. Yes. And it got terrible it, ratings because of the animated, because of the movie. Right. Because of the movie. But the show was actually was written great. incredibly but well. I agree. Bruce yeah. Tim. Bruce Tim says it's his best show. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't doubt it because, like, I mean, I nearly cried at the on the last episode. Fantastic show. I will never say a bad word. I love Green Lantern. One of my all-time favorite characters. I love everything about it. Um, but and the, the fact that the fact that they wouldn't, yeah, the fact that they canceled it really pissed me off. And that, that's the thing, though, is like the movie really hurt the property. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think holding back on Hal Jordan and John Stewart, Stewart, excuse me, is a good idea. At least John Stewart should be in this. He's the most recognizable Lantern to a generation, to like your your gen, your millennials. Let's say they they they're the ones who grew up with the Justice League animated series. Yeah. They're the ones who are most familiar with. John Stewart as the Green Lantern, and they they really should have at least used him. There have been people who have argued that was one of. I mean, no, there's the the Green Lantern movie was bad, but there were people who argued the thing that hurt it is it didn't use John Stewart because the younger people were mo- who were most likely going to go see it were more familiar with the cartoon, so they were more familiar with John Stewart. I don't I, think I don't think the premise is wrong, but I don't think that's what hurt the movie. What hurt the movie was that it sucked. Yes. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, and the CGI you know, suit and all that. Oh but, shit. Um, even uh, Kyle Rayner was even while while Bruce Timm's run was going. I think it wasn't Kyle Rayner. I oh, think Kyle Hal, Rayner. No, Kyle Rayner stopped. Kyle Rayner was a Green Lantern, but Hal Jordan became the head, the lead, the focus of the Green Lantern series again in 04 Well, after he was resurrected from yeah. Armageddon, because he was the Spectre. He was the Spectre. Yeah. He becomes Green Lantern again in Green Lantern Rebirth. That's fall of 04 yeah, and the Green Lantern series launches spring of '05, and he had been the focus of the of the the comic ever since because he's Jeff Johns' favorite. Right. And this is when Jeff Johns was ruling over DC. And Kyle Rayner became the White Lantern, and Kyle Rayner became he was Ion, yeah. and then eventually became the White Lantern with the Brightest Day thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, at the same time, like while Kyle Rayner is the Green Lantern in the comics, they put John Stewart as the Green Lantern in the Justice League animated series. So those coincided. Because right. when John Stewart was the the Green Lantern on TV, he was not even in the books mm-hmm. until a year later. Which is which is funny because it's another it's another thing where they told like they told Bruce Tim he couldn't use 
um, he couldn't use Jordan. Right? Well, Jordan was dead. Jordan was dead at yeah, the time. Right. He was the specter, but he also wanted, they wanted to use uh, John Stewart for some diversity. And he liked the character of John Stewart, thought he was a good character. He is a good character. And they kind of brought him because at that time, John Stewart had not been Green Lantern since 94 when Hal Jordan goes bonkers. Yeah. But, but, they, but of course, Bruce Tim touches it and turned to gold. Absolutely. Especially, especially adding that sub, the subplot with him yep. and Shayera, yep. the, the Hawkwoman, because that, that is one of the greatest love stories I've ever seen in animation. Like, you know, but the interplay it, that lasted, that lasted like, that lasted between, you know, through all of Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. Four seasons, yeah. And that's, it's, a through line, it's a through line of the show. It's the only love story, really, of the show. No, Bruce Tim. there is no one that did better for DC Comics than Bruce Tim. Yeah. Like, and, he, uh, he, he's the man. Sorry, Dave. I was going to say, and, and he didn't find his, uh, his girlfriend in a refrigerator. Um, oh, cut, what? cutting down Ron Mars. <laughs> That was uh, John. Are you not familiar with the women in the refrigerator thing? It's an entire trope. That's this is how Gail Simone got gotten recognized. She wrote a website called Women in Refrigerators because the second, yeah, second or third issue, I forget, of when Kyle Rayner takes over as Green Lantern, major disaster kills his girlfriend and literally stuffs her into a refrigerator. Oh, uh, I think I heard of that. And that's okay. where the term fridging comes from. And women <laughs> who only—it's basically women only exist in comics to be motivation you know tragic motivation for male characters and gwen stacy probably being the best example of or to right. talk or to talk about girl problems what, what's that measure of movies where you, oh they, uh the bechdel scale yeah, the bechdel. bechdel bechdel is that, is that how it's pronounced okay yeah that's it i don't know if i would go for john for pronunciations but i think he's correct this time uh, <laughs> all right so so yes i hope that uh that we don't end up in refrigerators all right on that note We'll take our final commercial break. I'll be right back with our main topic. After these messages, we'll be right back. <laughs> all right, all right. So, continuing on with our Halloween-y type theme. Um, you put the Halloween theme music under this part when you're editing. <laughs> we sh- I thought we could talk about um, getting in the mood for Halloween this year and what are some of our favorite Halloween type movies? And and I, I want to preface this with they don't have to be necessarily scary movies. Just Halloween. They, okay, I misunderstood because I did the scary movies. So, so I did I did scary slash horror movie. Yeah. yeah, I mean mostly spooky horror. All right, all right. So so John, you can go first. What's your number five? My number five. You know, I didn't number them. I forget. <laughs> well, uh, pick your least are, favorite of the five you picked. And I've got no. Oh, I do have five. Hey, what do you mean? Well, technically, <laughs> technically, I've got six because I'm counting two as one. Um, I did twelve because I didn't want to repeat anybody. But go ahead. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I'm I'm counting on this to to teach me some movies that I don't want to see this weekend. So um, I don't know. At number five. Number five. I guess I'll put. Uh, yeah, I'll put the relic. Really. This this is a very underrated film. It's it, I I thought it was scary and it was it was really done. I I thought it was really done well. You know, the camera work and all of that. They kept you guessing and and the the monster reveal at the end was pretty damn cool. And the storyline I liked too. It was it, it it's like 
much better than some of the other horror movies, like the B horror movies that you see normally. I think I think it was done, it was it was done as a real feature presentation and not just as a we need a a you know a horror movie to show this weekend or something. Have you ever seen it? I went. I saw this in the movie the theater when it came out when I was in high school. Okay, yeah. I've seen it a couple of times on the on the TV and you know like, I mean a lot of it they have to cut out to show on TV, <laughs> but. Uh, I mean, it was it was it was pretty cool. I, I don't know. So the relic, and it I, I first time I saw it, it was it was kind of scary, you know. Cool, cool. All right, JD, how about you? You're your number five. The greatest haunting movie ever made, a film that should not work because you have it was directed by uh, a horror pioneer and produced by someone who's really looked at more for his uh, nostalgic take on American life. And that's, of course, being Toby Hooper of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Steven Spielberg of Steven Spielberg fame. And that film is, of course, Poltergeist. Oh, yeah. Why did I not remember that one? Spooky as all get out. It's aged for a film made in 1982. My God, has it aged well. Oh, yeah. And it, that scared me from going into, into pools for a while. <laughs> that scared me from watching TV. Scared me from clowns, man. When I was a little kid, that's why I'd, you know, before I knew what it was, like the clown and poltergeist oh, yeah. messed me the F up. And and the thing was back in our, back in Dave and I's day when um, at late at night, t- TV, um, TV networks would go off, off air and you would get uh static. So, you know, so yeah, the static was scary too because you know every time you walk by, it's like, uh, do I hear Carrie? What is this? <laughs> it's like so. All right, all right. I my number five. Oh, mm. you ready for this? This is gonna this is gonna just mention this is gonna scare you guys. My Little Pony, nineteen forty nine. <laughs> this movie is from nineteen forty nine. Wow, that year scares me. The original the thing. Walt Disney's. Legend of Sleepy Hollow. I freaking love that movie, Dave. That's a great call. Damn, that was good. When I was, I probably saw this when I was five or six for the first time. And of course, it's a cartoon. It's fine. Gina yeah, sure. Scared the <laughs> crap out of me for <laughs> throw a the kids long in front, time. <laughs> throw the kids in front of the TV and let them watch that. I'm sure it's a cartoon. It'll be fine. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I was that. I was the headless horseman. Two different Halloweens growing up. Yes, so so that so that movie always affected me. So what a great call! Nice job, nice. <laughs> All right, John, you're number four. All right, for for number four, I'm going with Jaws. Just straight up, Jaws afraid to go in the bathtub. Afraid, afraid to go into the freaking water. Now, I, I mean, part of this part of the problem was that um, I grew up um, in Breezy Point. Part I partially grew up in Breezy Point, New uh, York, okay. which is a beachside community. And after I saw that movie, I could get going into the ocean or the bay was not a non-starter. My uh, my grandmother and my mother like spent like you know a, a while trying to coax me back in, and all I could think of is is that a fin? Was that a fin? I thought I swear I saw a fin. <laughs> a fin <out. laughs> so I, I I know some of these aren't really scary in the classic sense. It's just a lot of them no, no, really it's, affected it's, me when I was a kid. Yes, yes. No, that's that's um that was the whole point of this this list. Um so I know, uh, but so far so far you and JD have picked much better. No, I love Jaws. Jaws is one of my all time favorite movies. Jaws is one of the greatest horror films ever made. Yes. It's the film that defined Blockbuster. It was like considered one of the first blockbuster movies. All right, JD, you're number four. 
my number four, I'm probably going to be the only person that picks something made in the in the tw- in the 21st century. And this again, I had a list of 12 that I'm just picking from as it strikes me. So this is from 2017, and uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, I said Pennywise the clown was mm-hmm. my favorite, my, one of my favorite villains in all of horror. Uh, so 2017's it is on my list. 2017, okay. okay. Yes, it's better. Like I love the the miniseries is really good. It's probably the best made for television, maybe even film aside from horror film. Like for a, for a TV movie, the nineteen ninety one is great, but the twenty seventeen adaptation of Stephen King's It is scarier. And I think that kids, the children, the, the the performances of the children are better. And uh, Bill Skarsgård plays Pennywise the clown, much closer to the way Stephen King depicted him in the novel yeah. where it's more of a force of nature, more of an entity who is, doesn't, you know, we kind of like how he, he does this cool thing. Where he trails off sometimes when he speaks and just kind of like, cause he's a creature that shouldn't really exist in the world and doesn't quite know how to fit in. So he just kills things instead. It's, it's really good, man. Like the second it gets the, unfortunately, cause the second half of the book isn't as good. Like the, the kids versus monsters works. Whereas, um, the adults coming back versus the monster doesn't it just doesn't work as well. So it part two doesn't quite land with a lot of people, but that shouldn't take away how damn good it one really yeah. is. And it's Car- really it's really good. Cla- classic, um, classic ending for uh, for what's his name for King, right? Yeah. He never he never he never can really end. Something and they, it's funny because they actually write that into the the Bill character is an author, and they keep saying oh, he doesn't know how to end a story. Yeah, just because you call it out doesn't make it right. But it's such a part of the early King works. I think now he's gotten better at that. Um, mm-hmm. But the early King works, they all kind of, the endings of all of them are kind of, huh. Yeah. Shining, I think, is pretty good. But otherwise, a lot of them are like, huh, okay. Yeah, but it. Well, that's the best part, too, is it gets just, uh, this, it's not, it's the end of, it's the end of Act One in the yeah. book. So, okay. yeah, Stephen King's it. All right. All right, my number four. Okay, so trust me, it's I didn't pick all movies from this company. It's not a theme, but this is a movie from 1993. Um, it's something that you can watch at Halloween bum, or at Christmas time. And it's I one of your mind. It's one of my and my daughter's favorite movies, and we love to watch it together. So. I, of course, had to include The Nightmare Before Christmas. Love so, this movie. Yes. Jack Skelton <laughs> is my hero. <laughs> it's Andy's hero, too. Like, I tell stories of him at night, and he wants me to make up Jack Skellington stories because he is convinced. Jack, he says, Jack, he tells everybody, Jack Skellington is a superhero. Cool. He is absolutely convinced Jack Skellington is a superhero. Hey, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. No, nothing. It's a great movie. Yeah. And like I said, it works. You can watch it now or you could watch it in november before christmas yeah all right john you're number three my original number three was going to be halloween one and two which wasn't cheating because that's two movies uh, well technically it's only one story i mean you know yes yes but because yeah it could all right number two continues like five seconds after the first one ended but uh, then I remembered while while listening to you people while listening to you two, I remembered something much scarier in my life. Now I Dave will get this. I don't I don't know if you will, JD. I'm going to say the day after. Is that the the, the made for TV oh, the, movie yeah. with the nuclear bomb? Yes. Yeah. 
but I never it, saw it. It's it traumatized an entire generation. <laughs> but you got you got to remember, like this is back in the day when some of us were still being taught to duck and cover in school, and like when the day after came out, I was young enough that I didn't quite have a concept of what a nuclear war would be like. And we were in the midst of, you know, the, the deepest, darkest part of the cold war. And uh-huh. when that movie came out, it freaked the hell everybody out. Yep. Like, like my parents, my, my, my grandparents, like everybody, everybody I know, like, I remember, I, I remember hearing adults talking about so, it. So much. So they did an episode on the Goldbergs about it. Yeah. And everyone was freaked out by it. Yeah. There was that one in threads, but I think the day after was scarier. Yeah. And it and it was because back in that back then, um, a nuclear war was we, we thought it was inevitable. And was, yeah. and and nobody had really, you know, you're being taught to duck and cover in school. It's like, oh, there's no big deal. We'll duck and cover, it'll be fine. And then you watch this movie, you're like, holy, holy crap, we're all dead. People and really and, and we're not just quickly dead, but just dead in horrible ways. People thought duck and cover still worked in the eighties. That surprises me. Well, that's what 80s. they were teaching. That's what they were teaching the kids. Like, ben, you know, okay. I'm sure the parents by then kissing goodbye. Yeah, yes. I'm, I'm sure by then the the parents were you know more knowledgeable. But you know, still for a kid to to watch that, it's like you know, holy holy shit, this is real. Like, it, yeah, it's one thing to see a movie like you know the day after tomorrow and think oh yeah it's disaster movie yay but watching that and realizing that everybody's fingers on the button and it could actually happen the next day it was scared the crap out of us i think you know what those two movies might have actually had an effect on the psyche of the world i I believe so in stopping a third world war i think i think (laughs) a lot i think our generation that grew up who watched that movie became even so more afraid of it yeah it's it's why you know peace talks became more important to us and ending the cold war yeah because until then nobody really understood what radiation poisoning did to you and then you're watching people drop dead in this as their skin is just sliding off their bones you're like oh god it you know all right all right john hey you want horror man jd what's What's your number three? So I'm going to switch it out because my horror number three is actually better for, it's actually my favorite Christmas. So I'm going to save that when we talk about Christmas stuff. So okay. I'm going to go into my bench and I'm going to say my number four movie still takes place in the snow. Number three. Just, number three takes place in the snow. It's John Carpenter's The Thing. Uh-huh. Okay. Not The Shining, The Thing. Yeah, I don't really like The Shining all that much. <gasps> <gasps> I, I like King more than I like Cooper. I, I will I will second JD on that one. Yeah, the the thing, a remake, a genius remake that surpasses the original in terms of, of scares and is just really well acted. Everything is really subtle. There's long stretches of silence and it's a great ex- it, it taps into we talk about the Cold War stuff. In the early fifties, there is this mantra, there's this like like thing in Cold War films, like body snatchers, like thing from the world where you can't trust the person next to you. Because he might right. be a communist. Because he might be a communist. Yeah. And the thing really captures that emotion. Not that he's a communist, but that he is an alien killing machine. Right. And it's spooky, man. It holds up. Some of the special, the practicals don't hold up as well. Some of them hold up really, really well. Yeah. So the head. The head is a man. I mean, I guess it still looks great. Some of the crap stuff they do with the dog is just like, oh like yeah, it's no. still, it still works. So yeah, man. 
Uh, John Carpenter's The Thing. Cool. Uh, so my number three goes back to, again, movies that scared the crap out of me when I was a kid. Um, I've heard that it is supposedly based on a true story. And, of course, that would be The Exorcist. Um, uh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I remember, I don't remember where I was. It was some party or something, and people, were, it was like a Halloween time, and they were like, oh, we got uh, The Exorcist. Let's watch it. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I was probably 12 at the time and i was just like ah, that scared me so badly and um i will say this as uh, when i got older i want to say my early 20s one halloween we were like all hanging out me and my friends were like oh let's run a movie i'm like oh, i remember being scared by this as a kid and i wasn't as scared about as an adult uh, but it still is a creepy movie i think the thing with that and i wrote my senior thesis on this film it's one of my all-time favorite films it is my favorite horror movie but now i have to remove it because you brought it up fortunately i went through a deep fortunately i built a deep base but this is a movie that a lot of people like look at it they go, well it's not scary but at the same but i think the i think that oh man i could go on forever about this um, <laughs> i really could i'll try not to but i think that i had a friend in high school that had never saw the godfather and by the time we saw the godfather in college he was like I was okay. I feel like I've seen it before. And it's like, yeah, you do because every other movie has stolen from it yes. so liberally. And I think that so much of modern horror has liberally stolen from the exorcist that looking back on it, and again, it's a 50 year old movie. So, I mean, like some of it hasn't maybe hasn't aged. Well, I still think it's genius. Cool. All right, John, you're number two. My number two is alien. Oh, good call. The original, not yeah. aliens. Yeah, no, yeah, okay. Alien, because like it, both incredibly excellent movies. Yes, the first one is a horror movie. The second one is kind action. of it's yeah, an and it's, it's an, an action, action movie, yeah. but but it's still, I mean, it's still good. I mean, the the suspense in the second movies in, in Aliens is awesome, but um, but the but yeah, Alien itself, uh, I saw it in the theater. Um, snuck in <laughs> and, and scared the crap out of myself. So, you know, you are um, a face hugger, aren't you? Yeah. Well, no, but uh, I'll, I'll tell you, I had nightmares about, you know, Hey, wait, you wake up with the pillow on your head and you, and you, and you can't breathe and you, and you're screaming because you think that you're, you're about to get, you know, have a, have a, have an alien burst out of your, your chest. That's just, just freaking wonderful. And, and again, the genius of that movie was that, um, Ah, oh, God, really, Scott? Mm-hmm. The, 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 yeah, the director. Really, Scott. Yeah, really, Scott. Yeah. He, he. There were some scenes of that where he did not tell them what was going to happen. So the reactions, oh, especially yeah. in the scene where where the the first the first chest burst burster comes out, none of the actors in that scene knew what was going to happen. So all of their reactions are real, and they were scared shitless. <laughs> yeah, all so, the best horror movies I've seen like that. I think. Yeah. So, so, um, yeah, that was, that, that's, that's my number four. Number two. Number two. Yeah. Number two. Sorry. I had, I had a whole bunch to listed because, but, um, yeah, I, I would, I would, I would recommend any, everybody go out and see alien and and then aliens. Uh, It it really holds up. Right. Right. All right. GD, you're number two. I'm reshuffling my list because, I don't want to be repeating anybody. Uh, I'm not um, bothering. <laughs> I, I have no. I can't do that. So my number two is I have this. Uh, I enjoy horror comedies a lot uh-huh. um, because not because they're funny, but because like there's a sense of uh, fun 
in them that I think a lot of horror misses. Like, and it's not just you have to be like silly, but there's a sense of, you know, um, you're having a good time when you're watching, even though like sometimes it gets a little serious, but sometimes you, you can have a chuckle and it makes, it makes for a more enjoyable experience to me. So a lot of the horror comedies of the eighties hold a good spot. This one is not from the eighties, but it's definitely influenced from those films. And it's a movie that uh, starts off as one movie it starts off as a crime drama and then about halfway through the movie takes an abrupt turn when the characters travel to Mexico and go to meet to a meet off at a, a, a seedy bar just across the border. And that movie is from dusk till dawn. I was going to say, I knew I saw, I knew that one. I Robert it's, yeah. it's, it's, you can tell like the script was written by Quentin Tarantino and the first half totally feels like a Quentin Tarantino movie. And it was directed by Robert Rodriguez and the second yes. half absolutely feels like Robert Rodriguez. It's oh. one of uh, Salma Hayek's finest movies. I was going to, I was going to say like, it, that's, <laughs> that's on my list of Salma Hayek films. So <laughs> cool. Cool. All right. Um, my number two, since I'm so glad John took it off his list is the original. I won't cheat and say one and two, even though they are one story. Um, Halloween, John Carpenter's Halloween, of course. Um, Hmm. this is uh i feel it's an excellent we've talked about this movie on i think before uh it's a definite um exploration and tension and suspense and build up you know like people people watch it and we go it's boring it's like you're missing the point like like they're they're building up to that halloween night and same thing same as time before it's like so much of it has been stolen yes that it makes see watching it with you know younger eyes feel like you don't quite get it. Like you don't get what Carpenter was doing. This was groundbreaking shit in the seventies. Yes. Yes. And, and it's, it it takes a page from all the best stuff like alien and jaws where you, the less you see of the bad guy and the monster or whatever, the, the more suspense there is. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I am late. Shyamalan said it um, best is like some of the best movies is when the camera pans away from the villain or the, and, you don't see the kill. It, so, because what's in your mind is much worse than what they could possibly put on the screen. He, he and that's that. He knows that, and yet he still can't make a good movie. <laughs> yeah, he did it once or twice. But I mean, like, yeah, I agree with you. Like, it's so funny because, like, in sequels to these movies, they focus so much on the killer that they lose track of what makes it work. And it's not like the like the especially the Michael Myers character who's never referred to as Michael Myers in this movie. He's like, the, he's the shape. shape. Like, it's about Lori. The right. movie is about Lori. And this, she's trying to survive the night. But I mean, again, you get this enigmatic monster that really could be anything in Michael Myers that everything else goes to focus squarely on that. Mm. And you lose it. You lose what makes that movie cool in subsequent um, sequels. Right. Yeah. And, and and that's the thing is, too, people miss the point. Like, everything that happens to him in the first movie is survivable. Falling out of a second story window is survivable, mm-hmm. you know? That's why it's, and it all takes place over one Halloween night. One and Halloween he, night. And well, shot and, six times in the chest is not survivable, really, but I mean, technically. That's not in the first movie. That's the second movie. That's the second movie. Oh, that's right. They, yeah. Yeah, the first movie, he stumbles backwards out the window over the banister and, and falls. And then when she goes to check the body, he's gone. This this movie owes a lot more to like the town, the, the town that dreaded sundown and Texas Chainsaw than it does like what would become Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street. Like it's the Michael Myers is very human in this movie. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and John Carpenter ha- has said for decades that he died at the end. Of their, uh, Michael Myers died at the end of the second movie. Like, he wasn't supposed to continue on. He wasn't a supernatural killer or anything like that. But, you know, he also wanted money, so he sold the rights. Right. Well, he had to pay. I mean, that's what you do. Like, you know, yeah. you want to get, especially that's one of his first movies. It's like his third movie or something like that. Yeah. Like, don't don't forget the 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 most tragic part of Halloween, the death of Ben Tramer. Um, like, <laughs> there, there there is still like ju- a hashtag justice for Ben Tramer out there. Like they they oh it's God. still it's still it's a meme these days. <laughs> I mean, that uh, so the movie the movie is still well known. All right, well, great as, as our resident meme, yeah. John, what <laughs> is your number one? See now, somebody already said my number one, but I'm going with it anyway. So let, let me uh, let me give some background that uh, JD didn't go into. The original, um, the original thing, uh, otherwise known as the thing from Other World from 1951, I think it was, uh, was a quote unquote monster movie set in set in the you know the the North Pole and uh, and basically kind of the same setup, but the monster was draining people's blood in order to grow more of its own kind. It wasn't, and it was you know black and white 1951. Wasn't wasn't that scary? Although it did use it did use the same um, type of suspense building where you did not see the monster for almost the entire thing until the end. The remake. So ni- the the first time I saw the thing in 1982, my family, my father had just bought our very first VCR, mm-hmm. and the the first movie he picks up to watch is the thing, and he sits. He sits my 12-year-old ass down, my brother's 10-year-old ass, and my sister's 8-year-old ass down to watch the thing on the VCR because it was so cool that we had a VCR now. We right. had to try it out. And and you, you for 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 months, the us three kids had fucking nightmares <laughs> about this thing. I mean, can you imagine watching that when you're like, you know, eight and ten? I, mean, I can I can top it, but keep going. Yeah, but but you get you get the you get the, the so like and and I I don't think uh, no I I know that my father probably hadn't realized just how I mean how far horror had come <laughs> since his days so um you know he figured eh, this would be fine and it was fine for you know a few minutes and then the dog's face split open and but you know, like. <laughs> Like, uh, yeah, that, that was fun. It's like puppy. Oh my God. So, uh, yeah. So like JD said, like, um, most of the effects still, um, they, they still hold up very well. The suspense of the movie has not aged one bit and the, and the ending, the way it ends is just, is just perfect. Yeah. You know, what's cool about that too, is they use the same, uh, font for the thing that they use in the original Howard Hawks version. I always respected that. Oh, they had cool. to pay tribute, and again, yeah. like the, the the I mean, they did pay homage to, to it just by, you know, I mean, I guess I guess we, we, this is a recurring theme where the less of the monster you see, the be, the 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 better yes. the movie, and better and this, those... yeah, and the nineteen fifty one did that. Mm-hmm. Like you know, it was all. What's that? We just you know we hear a crash, so let's go over. There's a huge hole in the wall. There's snow coming in, and three other guys are gone. It's like, but that's all you know. So you never knew what the hell's going on. And 
and you know, you, for a 1950 movie, that was pretty scary. All right, CD. All right, so you took my number one, so I'm not going to go to it. So I'm going to okay, hold on, hold on. Before you give us our, our number one, oh, okay. Stop fighting with our followers on Twitter. All right. <laughs> Don't come at me with Superman. Yeah. Yeah. You know you know how I feel about Superman. What was your original number one? Uh, the Exorcist. Okay. Ah, okay. Uh, my, one of my favorite movies, but uh, I'm not going to steal Dave's Thunder. So I'm going to let him have it. So I'm going to, I bumped up my list a little bit. I said that I loved uh, the horror comedies in the 1980s. And what I like about them is that they're, they're not con- like, the term comedy gets thrown around like they're not silly like they're played straight but there's just there's moments of levity in the movies that that make them a little bit more digestible make them a little more fun to watch and i think the best example of this and i don't think anybody would straight up call this movie a comedy but it's got it's got some laughs in it and it's uh it's the best werewolf movie ever made i don't no one nothing has touched it since mm-hmm. and that's an american werewolf in london mm-hmm. oh i thought you were gonna see silver bullet oh god silver bullet is <laughs> not the best werewolf movie ever made <laughs> <laughs> oh not even close <laughs> so yeah no so, uh american Werewolf in london is a, a fantastic piece of of cinema um it deals with a young man who's in a stranger in a strange land who now has a strange element and he's, you know, falling in love and he's also turning into a goddamn monster. Yes. Yes. I, it's a, it's, a, it's a perfect analogy for, um, uh, what do they call it? Is it stranger syndrome? Um, people move to another country and they don't feel connected to anything. Yeah, it's the stranger, it. strange thing. I don't know if there's an actual term for it, but yeah, yeah. I, it totally is. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's a culture shock. Well, well there's culture, culture shock. shock. Culture yeah. shock. Yeah. 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 No, and it's it definitely that definitely could be could be on there. Like, um, I just love this movie. I think the the performances are really good. They're subtle. The the Rick Baker transformation scene is to this day the best werewolf transformation scene. Oh yeah. Oh my god. Ever. Have you ever seen the holds up behind the scenes stuff? How they did that? Yes. Yes. I yeah. Have. Yes, and it was um a major influence. I can't deny it. Major influence on me when I was writing. Uh, Harvest Moon uh, all, all these years you know I always wanted to take my goal was to take American Werewolf in London and mix it with Manhunter or, or um, you know the Red Dragon and that was those were my two big influences in creating my own werewolf story so I mean like yeah man American Werewolf in London is is it it's a great movie see when you said horror comedy I thought you were going to go Evil Dead for some reason you know and I like the Evil Dead but I like the Evil Dead mainly be- for my love of uh, indie film you know, yeah. like I love watching indie film because I like watching this is what they did with nothing. And I really respect that. It's like watching mm-hmm. El Mariachi. But if I show it to normal people, they look at me like I'm stupid. So, <laughs> well, that is true. This is terrible. I'm like, yeah, it is. But that's part of the fun. That's that part of the evil. point. Yeah, it is. It is. So that's why I didn't want to include Evil Dead unless I love Evil Dead 2. It's on my uh, in my list of honorable mentions. But I think Evil Dead 2 is the better movie. Yeah, no, I agree. Did did and all right, go ahead, Dave. That we can talk after. Okay, okay. So my number one is probably in my top five favorite movies of all time. Um, it has a, 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 a like any good Halloween spooky movie. It has a good um, tragic story behind it, and of course, I am talking about The Crow. Oh God, what a great movie! Yes, um, I mean Halloween movie, uh, revenge, coming back from the dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 then the death of the main actor, you know. Like, yes. What more could you ask for for a horror movie? Yes. 
I mean, it's not necessarily a horror movie, but it's definitely a dark movie. Well, it's yeah. definitely not horror, but I definitely see where you're coming from. It's like it's super, super dark. Yes, it's man, it's a it's a great movie, and it's aged pretty good. To be honest and you know what? It's dark, but yet you don't feel terrible about the world after you watch it. Can't it, it can't rain every day? Exactly. That's the whole, and that's the whole point of of that's the whole point of the crow is like it's this super dark story and you find justice and you find hope through the darkness yes. that it is through the it's such a genius story it's, through the darkness that you find redemption. I think it's the first movie I actually saw in the theater multiple times. I think I saw it in the theater three times. Yeah, it's it's just, it blew my mind away. Um, I mean, I, it's it's a movie I was so mad after I watched it that um, um, Brandon Lee died making it because it was like, oh, my God, this he's such a great actor. I want to see more of this character played by him. And, of course, we got a bunch of crappy sequels after that. And it's, um, it's the real shame is he finally stepped because he was doing stuff for a good three, four years before then. But it yeah. was all like martial arts movies and, you know, clearly in his father's shadow. Yes. And he, had, he finally stepped out of that shadow and like never really had and this is such a it's such a tragic story because he is he's so good in that it's oh, only yeah. Heath Ledger and Batman is like and uh, yeah. Heath Ledger had some attention before and people knew how good he was but he hadn't quite taken on the mainstream yet and people were like man this guy was about to be something special yep shame great movie I'm, sur- I'm surprised that nobody's men- nobody mentioned uh Phantasm in there well, I was going to say, does anyone have any honorable mentions, Joe? Oh, I have. Oh, I've got a couple. And, um, uh, and Phantasm was going to be one of my honorable mentions. So go ahead, John. Well, yeah, that, that's one of mine. But if you, if you want real true horror, anything by Neil Breen would is is true horror. It will make you feel like the human race is completely failed and should be wiped off the planet. So, or the boys will do that too. Anyway, I'm sorry. No, uh, no, no. Do you know who Neil Breen is? Uh, no. Give me a. Give me a. I, I can't give you a hint. You just have to watch one of his movies and then either well, cry give me a movie or that, laugh. Give me a movie but, he made. Uh, you're, there's like Double Down, I Am Here, dot, 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 now. Um, Fateful Findings, Pass Through, Twisted Pair. I have no idea. I'm, I'm a film yeah. guy. I have no idea who this person is. Yeah, Neil, no, no Neil Breen is probably one of the worst filmmakers of all time oh, oh okay fair enough and 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 the movies he makes are like if you take if you, if you took a rocky or a picture show and and multiplied it by the room that's how bad his movies are so like worse than you would bowl oh yeah no no we bowl is is a master uh compared to this <laughs> so okay so like like uh like the last time my brother brian my brother um uh stopped by my house uh, we spent an afternoon just watching these and drinking <laughs> and laughing at them. All right. So, because it, it, the only thing they're good for is the MST3K uh, treatment. Uh, how about you, JD? Any honorable mentions? Yeah, I got four. Um, I'll go, th- I won't blow by blow. I'll just tell you. Remember, uh, like I said the horror comedies of the 80s, I'm big fans of, and I put The Lost Boys and The Monster Squad. And then I had two outliers The Omen. Mm. I oh. love The Omen. That I completely that, forgot about The Omen. It's one of my favorite movies as far as like, I love, I, I, you know me and like Hellstrom and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. the occult stuff mm-hmm. is fascinating to me. And uh, the evil kid who doesn't even know he's being evil is just, uh, it's a great movie. It's well acted. Richard Donner got it. That's That was the movie that got him Superman. And then a little known horror film with a great cast. 
is just fell outside and I didn't put it on because I didn't think you guys would be familiar with it. And that's frailty. Have you guys seen frailty? No, no. Frailty stars Matthew McConaughey and Bill Paxton. And oh. it's from like 1999 or 2000. It's, it's uh, Matthew McConaughey walks into a, 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 um, a police station and confesses that his father was a serial killer. And he was a serial killer that believed God was sending him messages to kill demons and so him and and Matthew McConaughey's brother would go around. These are them as kids would go around and killing people. And he's confessing this. And then the story goes on, and they do like a a, um, a switcheroo, like a, a, a usual suspects, where it turns out it's Matthew McConaughey who was actually the brother that was killing people. And you find out they were killing demons. And he kills this cop who is actually a demon in disguise. And they're trying to find who did it. And the 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 camera, like the, the overhead camera blurs in that moment. Cool. Like you just, you it goes from this man, this kid telling this crazy story about his dad to at the very end, you're like, it's all true. It's such a good movie. And it flies so under the radar. Like I, I highly recommend it to anyone. Huh, I'm going to have to watch that. That's yeah, a, it's good, a one. good one. Frailty. Um, I just gave you the whole movie. So sorry. All right. That's okay. Uh, I have a, I have a, I have a few honorable mentions. Um, uh, the the two I'm going to talk real quick. These you know I was talking about the stuff that messed me up as a kid. Um, the the first one, of course, uh, me and my friends watched all of these movies. I don't know why, and it really messed me up. Was uh, the Phantasm movies? John, thank you very much for reminding cool. me yeah. how how much that they messed me up. The Tall oh, Man. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, and then it's not a movie. But I remember being a little kid and and scared the crap out of me. Michael Jackson's Thriller video. That's spooky. The same director as my number one American Wolf London, John uh, John Landis. Yes, yes, John Landis. Yes, um, yeah. That just that just. Oh my god! Like I I had to. Whenever we were at someone's house that had MTV and that video came on, I had to walk out of the room. Uh, you know, I was probably six or seven when that came out. Um, all right, and then no, I'd have to be older than that. Probably the it was greatest, the 80s. probably the greatest music video that I've was ever made. Yeah, yeah. probably. Um, and then I have to mention this. A shout out to uh, uh, first off, a friend of mine, uh, Dave Sipon. Um, there is a movie that was locally made. Uh, Dave Waskovich was the director and uh, writer of this movie called Suburban Sasquatch. So it's an independent movie. Um, probably one of the worst movies you'll ever see. And they mentioned it on the Wizard podcast like three or four months ago. And I was just like, oh my God, I didn't think anyone outside of five people in Philadelphia had ever heard of that movie before. And uh, and Joey from So Wizard was like, oh yeah, no, man, it's one of my favorite worst movies of all time. So so yeah, uh, my friend is in the movie. He's the, he plays like the best friend of the hero and has this big long monologue scene. Um, yeah, so independent films are hard. I will never crap on an independent film. Mm-hmm. Oh no, no, I, I I get it, but it's bad. There's um, a, there's not doubting it. Just I won't do it. It 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 was good enough that it has a riff tracks for it. Oh well. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that's that, actually that, a level of success for an independent film. Yeah, to get yeah, made I, fun of professionally. I, I I'm I, I now know what I'm going to do this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, maybe you guys should check out uh, that. You listening should check out Suburban Sasquatch. Um, all right. I think it's time to wrap up the show for the week. Another long one. Um, John, you got any recommendations for the audience? 
I yeah, check out Hellstrom. I mean, it's probably going to be only one season of it, but it's it's worth it. You know, so far, you know, I'm like JD. I'm, I haven't finished it, but uh, you know, two episodes in, and uh, it's it's connecting with me. So I think if enough people watch it, they might get a second season. Possibly. It, mm, I don't know. How about you, JD? I'll watch Frailty. I just think I sold it a little bit in here. I mean, like I just I'm I'm thinking about it right now. But like, man, I really like this movie. So yeah, I just I'm not even sure. List. I'm not even sure what stream platforms it's available on, but I'm sure it's somewhere. So it's a good one. It's uh, pre McConaughey, but it just it gives you a hint of uh, how good a young Matthew McConaughey really was. Hmm. Cool. All right, I will recommend as I always do. Make sure you check out superheroespeak.com where you can find the podcast every week. Comic reviews by our good friend D Square. There was another one just put up this week. And um, yeah. Oh, and don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Um, and I don't really like. I I spent my weekend finishing up on the boys, and I wouldn't recommend it. So I really won't have anything for this week other than if you want to kill your, if you want to feel like you want to die, go ahead and finish watching the boys. That's all I'm gonna say. Sorry. I I, can't, I know I'm beating a dead horse at this point, but I just I I, uh, I like being uh, the one pod uh, nerd culture podcast out there telling you the boy sucks. <laughs> I got a lot, I took a lot of pride in that. So we're, cool. we're so we're so edgy, you know. We're, we're the edge lords now, right? Oh Jamie? Christ! Yeah. <laughs> On that note, boys and girls, as always, thanks for listening. Don't let you get caught in the door. Have a good week.